One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need of food? He entered the house of God when Abiathar was high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat. And he gave some to his companions. Then he said, the Sabbath was made for humankind and not humankind for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Again, he entered the synagogue and a man was there who had a withered hand. They watched him to see whether he would cure him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, come forward. Then he said to him, to them, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. He looked around at them with anger. He was grieved at their hardness of heart and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately conspired with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. The Gospel of the Lord. Last week in my sermon reflections on the gospel story, I mentioned the efforts of many Christians today to reclaim Jesus, including an adoption of a guiding statement, which they call a confession of faith in a time of crisis. And the driving force in all of this is a desire to go deep into our Christian story and reclaim Jesus as the embodiment of God's mercy and God's love for the whole human family. Everything else flows from this, they say. And when we forget that, we forget who God is in Jesus. And we forget who we are. We forget why we do what we do as followers of Jesus. And we engage, as they say, those crafters of this statement in Practices which dangerously corrode the soul of our nation and deeply threaten the public integrity of our faith. I thought of that again this week when I read this gospel story about the conflict that Jesus was having with some of the religious leaders of his time. In essence, it seems like Jesus is trying to do the same thing as those who want to reclaim him today. In his case, he seems to be making an all-out effort to reclaim God. The moment of confrontation comes in this story when Jesus' hungry followers pick grain to eat on the Sabbath. The Pharisees, who are already threatened by the way that Jesus is exercising authority, look at him and say, here is an opportunity now to trap him. And so they say, look, why are they doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? These particular Pharisees seem to be focused on the letter of the law. 
But in his response, Jesus challenges them to look instead at the intent of the law and at the divine nature of the lawgiver. Have you never read what David did, Jesus asks, when he and his companions were hungry and in need of food? And then Jesus reminded them that David entered the house of God and ate some of the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and then gave some of that bread to his hungry followers. The point is, Jesus says, the Sabbath was made for humankind and not humankind for the Sabbath. And when he makes that distinction, I hear him calling his brothers back to the wilderness of Sinai, where their ancestors wandered after living as slaves in Egypt. It was there that God made every attempt to rebuild their lives, including the gift of laws that were meant to protect life, to protect healthy relationships, to promote well-being of all people. And among those laws was the one that we heard in our first reading today from Deuteronomy, where God says, observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy. If the Israelites had any question about why that commandment was important, God clears it up by saying, remember that you were slaves in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath holy. When I imagine their lives as slaves, I don't imagine Sabbath at all. I imagine relentless work with no real rest. I imagine tired, aching bodies being pushed to the limit day after day until they collapse into death. I imagine the scene that angered Moses so profoundly that he killed an Egyptian slave master because that master was beating a Hebrew slave because he thought he wasn't working hard enough. If there were ever a people who needed Sabbath, it was slaves like those. And when they were free, God commanded it. God commanded Sabbath so that every one of them would be weekly renewed. And I do think that that is what Jesus means when he says that the Sabbath was made for humankind. It was made in the spirit of love and mercy, just like the rest of the Torah, so that God's beloved people might have life. Jesus doesn't say it directly, but in his reclaiming this loving, merciful God, I hear Jesus ask, do you really think that God would prefer that a person would go hungry instead of keeping a law that was meant to, break, to, to give life in the first place? In the same way, when Jesus encounters a person now in the temple with a withered hand, he asks the Pharisees again, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save life or to kill? The gospel writer says here that their hardness of heart in matters like this made Jesus both sad and angry. 
And I think we can understand. Jesus knew what this man needed more than anything else. So he reached out to heal him, knowing that he would be accused again of working on the Sabbath day of rest. It's easy to condemn the Pharisees in this story for losing sight of what the Sabbath is all about and even for getting all wrapped up in small things that don't reflect the true nature of God. But I don't think there is one person here today for worship who hasn't experienced this same kind of loss in his or her own life. And often it does begin at a very personal level when we too lose sight of why we do what we do as people of faith. Over time and especially on difficult, stressful, demanding days, that source of inspiration, and we all know this, can get lost. Lost in the details, lost in all of our efforts to somehow keep maintaining. And unless we are called home to our center, we toil in ways that are just not helpful to others and are even harmful to us. If we listen closely to the words of Jesus today, I think it is clear that our center in all of this, that treasure that we have in clay jars, is the love and the mercy of God. And if we observe Jesus' actions in this story, we see him living out that love and mercy by making sure that hungry people have food and that a sick person is healed, even if it is the Sabbath day. In a lot of recent conversations that I've had with people here at St. Mark's, I have been reminded that you too, as a people, have this same ultimate concern within you for the well-being of other people, and that this godly inspiration is the main reason that you began to do what you do and continue to do it today. And I've been reminded also that this happens across the spectrum of all vocations, whether they are paid or unpaid, before or after retirement. On the day that I was composing this sermon, I also met with a tax auditor and a lawyer from this con congregation, who in the course of our conversation both said that they chose those professions because they wanted to use them to help other people. I've heard teachers and nurses and business owners and contractors and stay-at-home parents and soldiers and mechanics, all of these and countless other laborers and volunteers say the same thing, that they started and continue to do what they do because they want to use that to help other people. And I've come to see this as the image of God that is embedded in all of us. But there is another profound truth. You and I cannot keep doing that. We cannot keep doing things that help other people day after day and year after year without Sabbath, without experiencing that gift in our lives. 
We cannot stay centered in God's love and God's mercy if we don't stop to be renewed in body and in mind and in spirit. And that's why I have come to think of Sabbath as, again, this gift of ultimate importance for everyone, for the whole human family, because it allows us to receive what we need so that we can fulfill what really is the greatest commandment of all, which is to love others as God has loved us. The time is right, even if it is ordinary, for all of us to reclaim this gift of Sabbath and to reclaim the God who gives it out of love and out of mercy for us and for our neighbor. Thanks be to God. Amen.